Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Hey there, and welcome back to the PA the FI Way podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and thank you so much for joining me back on the show today. I wanted to give just a brief update to share that we returned from our nine-day RV trip a few days ago, and we had a ton of fun as a family, and I'm really looking forward to sharing more details about that trip on a future episode. But on today's episode, first, we have a very special guest. And I am so excited to introduce our special guest for today's show. We have Brittany Stralo, and she is a PA as well. And I met Brittany at the AAPA conference in Indianapolis most recently, but she's also a MAPA member because she lives in Minnesota as well. So welcome to the show, Brittany. I'm so excited to have you to talk about several things today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Do you mind introducing yourself Do you mind sharing what type of specialty you work in and what type of roles that you hold as a PA? Sure. So I currently work at Mayo Clinic. I've been there since 2011, so almost 11 years. It'll be in October. And I originally started my role just in hematology. It was an outpatient practice. So I worked there for about three years. It was kind of, we would take like uh, leukemic patients and they used to be inpatient for a long period of time, um, but then we were treating them kind of daily outpatient. And then I decided to switch into community internal medicine or primary care. And so I've been in that role now for the last seven, eight years. But I also in the last three years took on a dual role in education. So we started a new Mayo Clinic PA program. And so I've been a part of that. And so that's kind of my two roles that I'm housing in there. Um, But I certainly do different things in each of those arenas. So like the PA program, my role is technically clinical co-director of development. So I do the clinical rotations, helping with the placements of that, kind of developing relations with sites. But I also am the faculty rep for our student academy, which is super fun. So they do different volunteer activities. They come up with things for their class. I also help them with the medical bowl prep for the state chapter and then the national Uh, competition, which I just have to brag because we got on stage our first year ever competing, which was super exciting at AAPA. Nice. And then in community internal medicine, I've kind of done some other roles in that, which is neat that you can do. Um, And so like I've done a little bit of work like in our non-visit care. So kind of that downtime, your in-basket work. And I've done some things like um, we have like a Southeast Minnesota colon cancer subcommittee. So I've assisted with that. And now I've been leading our Southeast Minnesota cervical cancer groups. So I've been doing a lot of work in that 
kind of quality metric arena. And then there's just like different things. Like I worked in our GYN clinic for a little bit. So doing all the IUD insertions, the Nexplanons. Uh, so all kinds of different kind of roles within those. Nice. That's wonderful. I think it really highlights and demonstrates all the various areas that PAs can practice in. And it shows that when you have different interests pop up over your career, you can find a role and utilize your diverse training and try different things throughout your career, which is really awesome. Absolutely. Definitely don't have to stick with one thing, which fits my personality. I like doing a little bit of everything. So that's fun. Yeah, definitely. And then what do you enjoy most about your current specialty? So I'd say for primary care, I just like that there's kind of a little bit of everything. So I always tell my students in primary care, you know, a little bit about a lot versus a lot about a little (laughs) in some of the specialties. And so I like that you just don't necessarily know what's kind of walking in the door. Like your day could just vary from day to day. And then I did like that you could kind of find a niche within it. I never thought women's health would be kind of in my realm, but I've really enjoyed women's health and doing some of those. And so I liked finding the niche within it. And then education, I feel like you can just, I don't know, you can do it kind of anything within it. So there's a lot of possibilities and creating new pieces and kind of molding the the new generation of PAs, which is exciting and frightening all at the same time. (laughs) Sure. I'm sure that they are very lucky to have you there and that they learn tons from you as well as all the other faculty there. I think that the PA generation that's in PA school as well as the new grads, they definitely bring a lot of energy to the profession. So that's always fun to see. Definitely. And then one of the topics that you kind of wanted to share on the episode today was about your debt payoff journey after PA school. So do you mind sharing the journey that you had with paying off your debt and any types of details that you'd like with that and the information that you feel like would be beneficial for the listeners? Sure. So I actually, this is how nerdy I am in type A is I had my little folder. <laughs> I love <laughs> it. My loan. Nice. Like total type A. So I pulled it out because I was like, I don't actually quite remember uh, how much it was. So, so I'll, I'll say that for undergraduate, I came out of undergraduate with no student debt. I lucked out that my uh, parents did start saving when I was a baby a little bit each year. Wow. Um, Unfortunately, my mom got sick when I was in high school, and so my dad actually helped invest some of the disability money she got. So because of her illness, in a way, it helped me with my undergraduate, which was cool. Um, My mom ended up passing, but Mm. uh, she was the one who told me about it being a PA, and so that was kind of a cool thing that she kind of got to help me in a way along that path. So undergraduate, I came out with no debt, but when I went to PA school, I had to take out all the loans. I had no money left for that. So I looked and I had $143,000 that I took out for my graduate loans. Well, I did. Okay. So I did take out 143 and accrued interest while I was in PA school. So I ended up with 155,000 by the time I ended PA school. Sure. So came out of that, luckily got a job right out of PA school, which was great. Um, At that time, Mayo was doing a little program where they would pay like $25,000 if you were a new grad and you 
said you would save for three years. So I did save for the three years. So I had that $25,000 piece. So I got my first job. I started in October of 2011. And then already by February of that, so it'd be February 2012, I got a second job. And I started going to town on my student loans. <laughs> so um, I think the biggest thing is, so I, we graduated in like August, September and there, got my licensing started at Mayo. There's like that three month deferral that you can do. I did not follow that. Sure. I started paying on it as soon as that first paycheck came in. Well, there was no interest growing on it. Nice. So I did that and then got the second job. And so literally everything I was making possible was just chunking at the loans. And I, I looked back. So I had like, if people are familiar with some of the direct grad and then the direct um, unsubsidized loan. So I had the highest loan was 7.9% and the lowest was 6.8%. Sure. So it was accruing interest pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the neat part is I pretended like I was a PA student still and so lived way under my means. I I will say that I still did fun things. I was really thoughtful about uh, the CME money that we got. And so I would plan that with my trip. So I would take fun trips. I think my first year, like I went to San Diego and somewhere else. So I would share with people. We'd go together so we could uh, get a room. We'd try to find the best discounts we could possible, couponing and crazy. And then I actually paid off my loans August of, I think it was 2013 or 2014. So it was it was just under three years that I got that crazy amount, $150,000 paid wow. off. That's amazing. Congrats on that. Yes. <laughs> it was a huge wait to get that off. But certainly, I mean, it does come with some sacrifices, but sure. um, it, I think it was worth it in the end because after those three years, it opened a lot of independence to do other things then. Yeah, definitely. Do you mind sharing the different types of strategies? Did you refinance your loans at all? Did you put all of your money towards your second job, towards your loans? How many hours were you working the second job? Um, those types of information? Absolutely. So I I will say that we kind of followed this debt snowball, but not exactly. So I... I went after the highest interest rate loan because I could easily see when I got those paid off how the interest changed so much. So I I went for some of those versus going kind of for that smaller amount. So sometimes it might be 20000 versus 2000 but I could still see it going down so quick. So that was kind of my strategy. So I, I never consolidated my loans. I just went after each of them because if at that time, if I did consolidate it, it would have brought all of my rate kind of up. I mean, it, mm. it brought some of the 7.9, but it brought some of the 6.8 up. So it was it was kind of a wash. So I chose to just go after the highest interest rate and then would just keep chunking away at each of those. And then uh, at so uh, for my original job, I was working roughly 40 hours a week. Uh, at that time, it was a 10-hour shift, so I was working four days a week. Mm -hmm. And so then 
I sometimes, I mean, at least one day a week, sometimes three days a week. So sometimes I was working seven days a week. It just depended on uh, what was available. It was a like a fast care express care clinic. And then I also worked in their acute care clinic. So it just depended on what shifts were available. So some weeks there might be more and some weeks there wasn't. But I feel like when I started getting to the end of that debt, I was working as many hours as I could just to get to that end. That's amazing. And then how did it feel afterwards for you and your husband if you were married at the time and your family, those types of things? I think it was crazy when it was done to actually realize that I had done it because if I would have just paid on the minimum, it probably, I mean, I'd probably still be paying on them right now, which is freaky to think about. And I haven't been paying on them for like eight years. (laughs) So, uh, so I think that was exciting. I, at the time was just dating my husband. So we started dating when I was out in PA school. And so he kind of got to be a part of that process where I was paying off those loans and seeing how that that worked. Um, He wasn't contributing to it. He was working on his school loans and I was working on my school loans. So he kind of kept it separate a little bit in that aspect. So, but it was very exciting when it got done and then like deciding what fun things we wanted to do a little bit to celebrate. Sure. Um, but then it was also like, oh, now that we have our student loans paid off, what do we do next? We don't have a house for renting. Um, and I, I should probably share that. So like my first year out of school, I lived in an apartment. The second year we ended up renting a house. And the third year, my husband still is my boyfriend at the time, which my dad would I'm surprised he allowed that, but we lived in my friend's basement. So we actually uh, got to save because rent was significantly left, but we got to help her with her paying her loan. And then we were getting to save a little bit more because it wasn't expensive as renting something as an apartment or a house. So that was kind of a nice way to get after it. But And it was fun. We had somebody to hang out with all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Very cool. Well, that's such a fun story. So thank you so much for sharing all that information. I think it'll really help a lot of the listeners. And then we touched a little bit on things that you enjoy about working at Mayo as part of the faculty for the PA program. Are there any other things that you wanted to add what you enjoy most working in education and specifically with PA students? Or do you feel like we already kind of covered those things already? I guess, I don't know, I, I think in education, it's fun because you really get to watch the students grow. So you see them come in, they're terrified. Uh, you start, you know, overwhelming them with the amount of information they have to take in. But then slowly you start to see that light bulb go off. And I feel like that's just money. Just seeing that go off is kind of a cool piece. You know, you start to see the confidence change. Like the first time we kind of practice with, you know, simulation patients and that, and they're shaking and their nerves and you can see they're just sweating profusely. (laughs) And then, you know, by the end, like they're just no problem. Like they're just, uh, you know, acting like it's a normal patient. So that's really cool to see that. And then, also kind of, you know, seeing their success. So I, I like seeing 
colleagues succeed and I like seeing students succeed. And so that's already been fun to see, like now we're seeing our students get jobs and finding out where they got hired and things that have happened. And so I like seeing that success aspect too. That's awesome. I'm sure it's amazing to see the growth that they have over the years and things like that too. So that's really cool. Mm -hmm. And then as a PA faculty member, do you feel like there are particular common financial mistakes that you specifically see PA students make often or different financial struggles that they struggle with that's common amongst PA students in particular? So I can't necessarily say a theme, but I can say from other individuals that I've watched come out of PA school and even my class that came out of PA school. So I think the biggest thing is like the first thing is like delaying paying on your loan. So it's really exciting. You get your first job. You have been living on, you know, nothing for two years. And then you get that first paycheck. And the last thing you want to do is like not get to enjoy it. Like you worked so hard for those two years. You want to go out and enjoy it. But I saw so many people delay starting to pay on those loans and they were going to get new cars and they got loans for cars or you know, different nice things that was really hard to watch because I really wanted those nice things, uh, but I was paying off my loan. So I think that big thing is like, don't delay on that, that grace period, start paying on it right away. And especially, you know, if some of these uh, government, uh, you know, if they're not having the interest, like that is a huge time to, to pay on those loans uh, with not getting that interest. And then I think the other big thing, and I I delayed on this a little bit too, but so I kicked myself for a while. But the many places do the match for the 401k, and so not getting that set up right away to start getting that free money, I think, is a huge piece. So uh, so I, that would be probably my my biggest thing, and and just just like don't splurge the minute you get that paycheck, like it'll come because once we got done with those three years, like then we really got to plan nice things and enjoy it and not feel guilty that, oh, I still have to pay my student loan and I got to pay a credit card and trying to figure out where all those pieces were going. So, Yeah, definitely. And I think too, with PA students still in PA school, it's very tempting to spend your student loan money on other things that aren't really school related too. I think that, you know, you have that notion that you feel like you deserve to treat yourself or that you have this extra money in the bank and can go traveling or things like that too. So I would encourage PA students out there to be mindful of their spending as well during PA school because the interest, like you mentioned, keeps occurring. Right. And I feel like I didn't in PA school look into, there's certainly scholarships and pieces out there and I wish I would have been more thoughtful because really doing that on the head like on the front end would have been really helpful. I mean, it would have been some work, but it would have saved a lot of work on the back end, a lot of hours of work. So I think that part's pretty cool. Yeah, certainly. I felt like when I went to PA school, I was essentially told that there weren't many scholarships out there and that you just take out your loans and you pay for it. And I just kind of accepted that as advice versus really looking into it and trying to find some scholarships to apply to. Agreed. And then you are also involved in research as a PA. You wear mini hats, Brittany, which I think is super cool. And I, I love that about you. Do you mind sharing how you got into research? What do you enjoy most about research as well as getting published? And what are some of the benefits of getting published as a PA? 
Sure. So I'll say, so originally my path kind of started with quality improvement. And so my family background is my dad's an engineer, like my uncle's an engineer, my cousin's an engineer, lots of engineers. And so quality improvement is kind of a big piece. But my dad actually went for some additional training in like Six Sigma and got his master black belt. And so he was always raving about quality improvement. And so when I got started in my career, I found out that Mayo was doing like a quality improvement. They called it the Lean Collaborative and you could get these like different bronze, silver, gold certifications. And so I started working on a project and uh, one of the physician colleagues that I worked with said, hey, have you ever thought about presenting that, you know, elsewhere outside of Mayo? And I was like, no, nobody's ever told me about that. What are you talking about? I can do that as a PA. (laughs) And so I submitted a poster and I got to present my first time in San Diego, California, and it was glorious. I was like one of the first PAs they had at the quality. It was a American Society of Clinical Oncology Quality Symposium, I think was the title of it. And so I get to have my poster up there. And so that kind of started the the piece. So I started doing a lot of quality improvements. And so that led to posters and some presentations. And then when I started to get into community internal medicine, one of my coworkers in the department, she was also a PA who's kind of been blazing the trail in our department. She had gotten involved in research and started to kind of bring me on on projects. So I have found how to to launch some of the quality improvement into research and then also starting to get involved with other individuals on pieces, which is really neat to see. And so now I've got a couple of research projects going. Like one is actually on mentoring with NPs and PAs, which I'm really interested to see on that aspect. And then, you know, we've been doing a couple uh, women's health research studies. And then I've been doing a couple quality improvement ones and actually got to do a quality improvement with my students. So that was really fun. Cool. So I think the it's intimidating to get started and I, I definitely have published as well a couple cases, and I feel like publishing a case is probably one of the easiest ways for PAs to kind of start in the publication realm because we all see interesting, weird cases day to day. And so I just tapped on a physician colleague at that time, and they helped me kind of co-write it, and we worked on it together. And it took us a long time, that first one, uh, probably like a good year, but then it became easier the next time. Then I kind of knew how to go after it. And now it's been fun because I've been helping other people. So rather than others having to kind of blaze the trail, how can I help others kind of succeed with that too, which is really fun to see. Awesome. And then what do you see are some of the benefits for PAs being in research and getting published and things like that? Do you feel like more PAs should try to pursue this throughout their career? And if so, how can it kind of help them if they want to do this as well? I do think it's really important because I think PAs are doing great work out there and people just aren't seeing it as well as they should. Totally. And part of it is we're very busy. We're doing the clinical practice. We're, you know, not saying that any other uh, group isn't seeing patients, but that's our primary role as we're seeing patients. So 
I do think it's important to publish because you do get that piece. The other aspect is so you can certainly get academic rank as a PA. And so if people have interest getting into education in the future or even some leadership roles at their organizations, it's important for that. And so I have currently my assistant professor of medicine, which is really cool. There's most people will get instructor in medicine. Uh, Then there's like a much smaller amount that start to get assistant professor. And I'm certainly working for kind of the next realm, but that's going to take a while. That's going to take a lot of publications to get to, to that aspect, but it's kind of an aspiring goal. So, uh, you know, I, I felt like I didn't understand the importance of the academic rank early on. And I, I wish I would have, because I think it would have led to, it would have made things easier later in my career with leadership options, education options, different aspects. And depending on the institution too, depending on your academic rank, you can get paid differently. That doesn't doesn't happen at our, our organization, but certainly at other organizations that can make a difference. So it's kind of a financial benefit to also sometimes get your academic rank. Sure. That's also very interesting. I think that there's not a lot of PAs that are doing that in addition to all the other things working as a PA. So I think that's really cool that you're doing that for sure. Yeah. And then another hat that you will be wearing soon. <laughs> You're a busy lady. It doesn't stop. <laughs> How many kids again do you have, two? <laughs> two, ages two and four. Bless you, Brittany. Bless you. <laughs> but another hat that you're going to be wearing, and you should also clarify, too, if you are currently doing other leadership within MAPA, but you are the president-elect for our state's PA Society, which is MAPA for Minnesota. And then... What has your involvement been with the organization over the years with MAPA? What types of committees or roles have you been on over the years? Are you currently on a committee in addition to be president-elect? What all does it entail? And certainly congrats on being the president-elect, too. Thank you. Still feels weird to hear that. Like, did I really get that title? (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So I'd say so... My involvement just in State Society of PAs started actually back in PA school. So I initially was the historian uh, for our PA program, which very much fits me because I'm a big scrapbooker and so got to be kind of the historian piece. But my second year in PA school, I became the president of our student society. So kind of leading some of those student academy pieces, which is why I have an interest in that now in our education because it was really fun as a student. And then out of PA school, when I came to Minnesota, I initially got really involved with MAPA and was attending. They did like uh, PA night outs, like networking, and you would get different kind of uh, CME talks and different pieces. I got involved a little bit in membership. And then kind of in that debt journey, I pulled out of MAPA, which was probably probably a very dumb mistake. And I encourage people to continue their state and national memberships because I didn't realize how much in the background they were doing. And now I'm like kicking myself for not helping with that piece. Um, Some of the legislation, because now already in 10 years as a PA, some of the legislation I've seen come in and then be implemented. And it was monumental, like the team-based practice and not having to have people sign off in your charts, like glorious. Yeah, totally. Uh, And that was all MAPA. (laughs) And so um, I've now, in the last 
couple of years been involved on the membership committee, so I've been doing that. And uh, the student committee, I've been involved with that aspect. And then I've also been the faculty rep for now three years because of our program. And so I got to be involved with the board meetings and kind of get to see what was happening. I wasn't necessarily a voting member on the board at that time, but it was really fun to kind of see that. Hard part is all of it's been virtual for the last couple of years. Yeah, that's um, tough. But but now coming on president-elect, which is really cool. So now getting to see more kind of what's going on in the background. And then I'd also say for national level, I've been involved too with AAPA. So I've been on the commission uh, for the health of the public. So our house of delegates, which kind of comes up with our regulations or what we want to represent as PAs nationally. I've been able to help with that in the last year. And so I'll be doing my second year of that this year. And then I've even been doing like uh, for AAPA, I got to be one of the graders or reviewers for the CME. So seeing what CME came through and seeing if it was a good one, bad one, uh, none of them were bad, but (laughs) you get to kind of rate them, (laughs) see which ones were better than others. So that's been kind of fun to see too. So um, we're kind of our profession is going a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, I think that clearly you have been quite active in your role as a PA and are quite an ambitious lady with lots of goals. And like you said, maybe that type A helps a little bit like most of us PAs have in us. So that's wonderful that you have had all these leadership positions over the years. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And I'll say it I got a lot of no's for a long time on things. And so I think that's my biggest thing for people is you have to be comfortable with the no's. And nobody ever sees the no's, which is the hard part. They see all the yeses. But I I did go and get my doctorate of medical science uh, two years ago. And I feel like that opened a lot of doors. I started getting a lot more yeses which was really fun to see. And uh, it was actually really fun because I got to pay for that out of pocket. I didn't have to take any loans out for my doctorate. And actually with work at that time, they helped some with the tuition reimbursement. So that was really cool to see too. So it's kind of weird how that evolved as well, that, you know, finally going for my doctorate and like, scot free. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I think that it's, really important to understand what you said about the no's. No's are going to come up in life. And although they can hurt or feel discouraging in the moment, it's really important that you accept it, that it's just not the right time for you for that position or that goal or adventure or things like that, and that there will be something else for you right around the corner. So I think that that's another great part of your story too. Yeah. And then also I think that it's really important that the listeners, whether they're PA students, new grad PAs, or practicing for several years, try to consider joining their state PA societies as well as AAPA because, like you said, they do so many things in the background for PAs and try to make legislative changes happen and things like that. So it's really important that if you aren't a member to consider becoming a member and if you'd like to get involved send out an email or call and reach out and see how you can get involved because I'm sure they'll find a role for you that can fit well. (laughs) Definitely. There's, there's so many different ways. Like 
for example, like Kat, like you're really good at social media. I am not good at social media. (laughs) So like, if that's your like niche, like there's, there's areas like I'm not good at everything. There's just things I know I am not good at. So uh, there's kind of ways, ways for everything. And even just being a member and just kind of like slowly getting involved, like there's nothing wrong with that. But on my budget, I should have made it a priority. It should have been a like, automatically like I'm gonna pay that sure (laughs) and you're too kind I wouldn't consider myself very good at social media by any means but sometimes just having done it makes you that you've had the experience they can bring to try to help out the group right right yeah and then when did you learn about financial independence and what types of aspects about financial independence are the most appealing to you so it's kind of funny so I was in a way, doing sort of a debt snowball, but I had never heard of Dave Ramsey uh, initially. And then when my husband and I were going to get married, uh, one of the individuals I was working out with at the gym, he was raving about Dave Ramsey every morning. And I was like, who is this crazy man <laughs> that you are talking about? Like, wh- what? Dave, Dave, who? What? And so finally, I was like, fine, I'll go look in what this what this is. And he's like, there's usually classes at some of the local churches. You should check it out. And so, okay. And we ended up signing up for one of the classes before we got married at one of the local churches. And so we did the Financial Peace University. And so we did that. And it was actually very eye-opening, especially before getting married, to kind of see where we were and like writing out all the things we had. So that kind of got us on the same page before we even got married. And so, you know, you know, I had already worked on my student loans. My husband was working on his, but then when we got married, we bought actually a house just before we got married. And so we got on the same page and we really hashed out kind of our budget and we actually paid our house off in five years, which is crazy. (laughs) Congrats on that too. (laughs) Um, like, I just feel like we were like really drinking the day of Kool-Aid because (laughs) (laughs) he was like, buy the worst house in the best neighborhood. And we totally by chance got that. And our house has doubled in value since we moved. Like we got it at the right time. Like we would never be able to afford the neighborhood we're in now. Sure. And then just like I had that avenue with the second job that it was like, okay, we can do this. And I created my little spreadsheet and we could uh, hash out or, oh, if we put a little extra of this or little that, we get this. And so that was kind of fun to see. I will tell you, though, that right as we paid off our house, our second vehicle crapped out. Oh, no. <laughs> and which was in the middle of the pandemic. So like we paid off our house in the middle of the pandemic, which was also weird Wow. because I thought at that time and many other PAs may have experienced this. I thought we were going to lose our job. Like I wasn't going to have hours. I wasn't going to have a job. So I was grasping at every hour I could get anywhere just to make sure we had income coming in. And then it ended up that there was so much work to do with COVID when everything happened, but we couldn't get a second car because the prices skyrocketed and me being a little bit cheap now, it seems (laughs) I was not willing to pay those prices. So we actually have been running on one vehicle for over a year now. Wow, that's amazing. Yes, is 
weird and yes, it's an inconvenience. Uh, everyone's like, how are you doing that? I will give the caveat that my husband has a take home squad. So we do like going to and from work. He actually has a, an avenue for that, but otherwise we do have to share the vehicle, which gets interesting sometimes when someone has to do this and someone has to do that. Uh, but it's worked. And I just feel like the financial independence piece is just kind of a way to not be tied to the bank. Like it's finally our money. Like we have the freedom to do what we want. We're, you know, debt free. It's our money. Do what we want. We want to splurge on this. We can splurge on that. (laughs) But I will say that we're um, being conscientious. We put a lot of things on hold fixing in our house. So now we're you know, getting to work on our patio finally. We built a deck. Uh, and now we've been working on, you know, like trying to max out our 401k and working on, you know, Roth IRAs and uh, starting to save for the kids, you know, college tuition and some of those pieces, which is weird to think of. So I don't know. I just, it's a nice way to actually get to use your money. Yeah, right. And your story just demonstrates how intentional both you and your husband were. You guys got on the same page before you were married. You were making plans and payments towards your individual loans before you got married. And then when you teamed up afterwards, you guys made sure that you were on the same page going forward and made sure that you weren't just letting the money go away frivolously. It's so easy to just let it poof disappear versus being intentional and sticking to a plan. And now, like you said, you guys have so much more freedom at this point in your life. So that's amazing for sure. Right. No, it's um, Amazon Prime Day. Bad thing that comes <laughs> up for people. Man, I had to like turn off alerts because I was like, I'm going to be tempted to buy thousands of things. But um, certainly I took a look at it and, you know, got some things. But I feel like the, I feel like some of the, they're marketing to yes, us, like they're totally. trying to get us to spend money. So um, just being sure what you really want to work towards. So we're always kind of have like, what's our next big project we want to be going for? What's the next big thing? And I would love to say that our car is our next thing, but I still looking at the prices just can't even like wrap my brain around (laughs) purchasing a vehicle for those aspects. But um, right now it's, we wanted our outdoor space. And so we just keep working on our outdoor space. Cool. Yeah. It's all about spending on those things that you value. So I think that's great. Well, thank you, Brittany, so much for joining me on the show today. And I think that your story just has so many amazing pieces of information for all the listeners out there. If you want to share any information of how people could get in touch with you with questions, you certainly can. Yeah, I think the easiest aspect for me is uh, LinkedIn. So that's where I've connected with a lot of people. Um, I'm just not as good and Uh, on some of the other social media pieces, but LinkedIn is a great way to connect um, just as a PA and with other PAs. And so that's worked out really well for me, but this has been really fun, Kat. It's, it's fun that, you know, we were in the back of a a van (laughs) going to a winery is how we met, (laughs) Um, which is the fun people, things for people. Like you go to a national conference and you get to meet interesting new people that you haven't met before and somebody knows somebody and connections and it was fun we got to do the conference pieces but we also got to have some fun and it was great to bump into you and meet you and 
I know you also gave the talk at the student uh, for the MAPA conference, and so that was fun, too, hearing my students talk about uh, your talk, too. So that was great. Cool. Well, I'm glad that they were able to hopefully learn something from it and that we can leave an impression on them as well. Cool. Well, thanks so much again, Brittany, and we will see the listeners back here next week. Sounds great. Thanks, Kat. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.